0: shock the system welcome to dank discussions with me calican ceo maynard breslow in each episode you will learn from the trailblazers leaders entrepreneurs and influencers in the ever-moving ever-growing cannabis industry Hey everybody! Welcome to Dank Discussion. Today we're joined by Rod Kite. Rod is an attorney who represents businesses in the cannabis industry across the U.S. and the world. Uh, so I'm excited to have him on today! So thanks for joining us today, Rod. Yeah, I'm glad to be here. Thanks, Maynard. Man, that's uh, thank you. I Appreciate it. I know it's hectic times, obviously with the uh, coronavirus, and uh, you know a lot of things going on, a lot of changes going on. As you know, there's always changes going on. In the uh, in the cannabis industry, but, um, you know, there's changes worldwide going on right now as we speak. And I'm so excited to speak to you about that. Um, but I guess we'll start off with the easy stuff. Uh, let our <laughs> listeners know where you're based, out of say.
1: Yeah, sure. So uh, I'm Rod and I live in Asheville, North Carolina. We're in the southeastern part of the, of the country. And that's where my law firm is based. But we represent, as you mentioned, businesses throughout the country and the world. I've got several lawyers with the firm. One lives in Portland, Oregon. One lives in Greenville, South Carolina, recently moved from Colorado where he did you know, applications for recreational um, marijuana businesses. And then another attorney we work with for trademarks that's in Austin, Texas, who's also worked a lot in cannabis and trademarking in California. So we, I'm in Asheville right now, but we, we cover the bases.
0: Oh, cool. So you're, you're in Nashville? Yeah. A- Asheville right um, in North Asheville, yeah that's right. I thought. yeah, yeah. I, heard, I was I heard Asheville exactly. North Carolina and I was like wait a minute,
1: that's,
0: you know, I'm looking at you you got all the uh, the guitars and all the music I, <laughs> right
1: right so you know yeah, so I um I know I, I love Nashville where it's about four or five hours probably four hours from us uh, but Asheville North Carolina is a little bit different it's a it's a mountain town it's a very progressive uh town as far as arts and food it's got more breweries for per capita than uh, than any other place in the U.S. Actually, wow, really uh, a good a good beer culture and, and also a really good cannabis culture. So, and we can talk about the distinctions uh, between hemp and and marijuana. And being in North Carolina, we are in a prohibition state. There's no uh-huh. medical or recreational marijuana, uh, but it's we'll just say it's popular in Asheville. And it probably if you had, took a vote in the Asheville city limits, I think that um, marijuana legalization would would have an overwhelmingly positive response. You know. Uh, but we are a, a big center for hemp and CBD, and you can find you know, CBD and hemp shops on just about every corner. So it, it's a good place to be. It's a, it's a great place to live and a good place to be based out of. For
0: sure, well, that's cool. I mean, I love uh, you know the the breweries, the craft beer, and uh, like you said, you know, not everybody has the uh, the ability. To, you know, we're not there yet with every state, but it's good to hear that you guys are making progress there. The only thing I'll be honest with you, the only thing I really know about North Carolina, I've never been there myself. I've uh, been you know, grateful I've been able to travel a lot around the states. But um, uh, only thing I really know about North Carolina, actually, is Ric Flair. You know, and the, the Hardy Boys. <laughs> you know, the, uh, I no the wrestlers. What you know, what you were
1: gonna say? You're like oh, you're <laughs> North Carolina. What kind of things have made it? Ric Flair, absolutely. We have, we have, we have. Wrestling is 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 and has always been huge. That and and, and stock car racing and yeah, um, I get the Tar Heels and, and, and uh, the Tar Heel basketball. And, North Carolina is a great state. It really is. And we have, even though, you know, if you look at demographics, it's it skews, uh, you know, in, as far as its legislature, very red. Our legislature has a super majority of, of Republicans. And, and un- unfortunately, they've been very resistant to reform for cannabis. But if you look at the population at large, it really is about 50-50 uh, red and blue. And we have the, the t- research triangle, which does you know, international level clinical research in all sorts of fields. You've got Charlotte, which is a banking center mm-hmm. in Asheville, which is small, but a, but a culturally rich and progressive place. So North Carolina is fantastic. And, and I'm glad to be here. And and we have Ric Flair. Yeah. <laughs> so, woo! Sure. You know, I mean, that's, uh, <laughs> that's my main connection
0: there. That's so funny. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> so cool. I mean, you know, I, uh, so grateful to have you on and you know, you have a really proper story or, you know, touching story moving story and you, you're doing so much in the industry. But, you know, uh, I always like to hear you know, w- what your story is, how you got into the cannabis, um, you know, and let our listeners know what, what really brought you in to, to dedicate your life to this and to helping the reform across the country and across the world.
1: Yeah, sure. Well, I appreciate that. So I, like, like not only many, but probably most people in the industry of whatever you know, piece of the industry you're engaging with, I do have a personal connection. I have a real passion for cannabis, for the plant and for what it can do. And that goes back, I was actually a late bloomer. I, I first tried cannabis my freshman year in college, and I was I was into it immediately. Let's just say I really liked it. But I never thought about it as a career move until much later in life. I've been a lawyer now for about 20 years, and I got cancer. I got testicular cancer 10 years ago, and I had used um, cannabis off and on throughout my life from college up to that point, and I had heard just anecdotally that it could help with with the effects of chemotherapy. But I did not use it at first during my chemotherapy treatments. I just thought, well, this is serious. I'm not going to use it as a cheap excuse to, to smoke weed. But uh, there was an opportunity about midway through my chemotherapy treatments where I, I did use it. And frankly, I didn't expect to have much of a, a, a result. I just thought, well, I have nothing to lose. And the results in that moment were astonishing. I mean, I, I, within literally about three to five minutes, my, my nausea, my body aches and my um, were subsided probably by sixty or seventy percent i I got an appetite again, I was able to eat and regain some strength and so at that point, I realized, okay, wait, this plant really does have true medicinal qualities, uh-huh. and I used it throughout chemotherapy, and I made it a point to let the people that I know and love around me know that I was using it for chemotherapy treatments, uh, most notably my parents. My parents are very loving people, and they're um, but it, that they didn't smoke cannabis themselves, and they both are more conservative, and I live in the South, but they saw how it affected me, and they became big advocates for for marijuana legalization, um, for watching me and going through it. And from that point, I realized I, I needed to do something with this. This was really important. And being in, in North Carolina, which was, and still is a prohibition state with respect to marijuana, I thought, I'm, I'm not quite sure how to do this. I, I had done criminal law early in my career. That wasn't really what, what my calling was. I'm a business lawyer. And so at first I just thought, well, I'll just, you know, I'll, I'll get licensed in another state where it is legal. So I got licensed in Oregon, thinking I would do work there. But it was about the time that I got licensed in Oregon and thinking I was going to do marijuana work that the 2014 Farm Bill came out that legalized hemp. And hemp is just another form of cannabis. In fact, legally speaking, uh, the term cannabis does not have a, a is not a term of art, meaning huh. it does not have any specific legal meaning. At least at the federal level, the the terms that have legal meaning are marijuana, which wow. is cannabis that has more than 0.3% THC, and hemp, which has no more than 0.3% THC. And so hemp was legalized uh, through the 2014 Farm Bill in in various respects. Uh, I could I could drill down that hole for an hour talking about that law, but the point being that 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 really um, brought you know, North Carolina adopted it pretty quickly, and it, it also was the beginning of the CBD boom that that we've seen. And, yeah. and my practice grew with that because I had clients reaching out saying, I, you know, I want to sell CBD and I don't know if it's legal or not. So I began researching and writing about it. And, um, and that became, it was at a time where people really wanted to know about it. So the practice grew with CBD. And, and also I wrote a book about um, cannabis law in general, talking about um, the business effects of, you know, operating a, a, a cannabis business, whether it be taxes or employment law or, um, you know, the federal government and how to deal with it. So all of that came together, um, you know, a few years after my chemotherapy treatments as I was discovering how to practice this law. And now this it's all we do. And it has been all we do for years. And I, and by I say all, all I do, it's, it's probably seven days a week that I'm, I'm reading, writing, advising clients about, uh, about cannabis. And I love it.
0: No, I love that, and obviously things are changing. It's so much to keep up with, and you know, first and foremost, thanks for sharing that story with me and with us. Um, I know, you know, I'm grateful to have people on here all the time and sharing difficult stories. And uh, sometimes it's not, it's not easy, so I appreciate that. Uh, how how's the health now?
1: Health is great. I've been in remission for for years and years and years, so I'm I'm happy to report that. Wow. But you know, to your point, I have conversations with clients all the time. They'll they'll come to me and they have a a business or a business idea, or something that that warrants you know corporate legal assistance, which is what we do. but they feel compelled to tell me their story. you know uh-huh. and and more, most of my clients do have their own story. And I, I really love hearing it. It reinforces what I'm doing, and the fact that there really is good in the world to be done through the cannabis plant itself.
0: you know it's so crazy because you talk about cannabis, and it's such a passion topic where people really, like there's no really middle ground. Like, oh, cannabis is cool. It's like people are like all <laughs> for it or all against it. And That's you know, exactly we, right. you talk to a lot of people that are against it, and they have uh, exterior kind of things that are motivating them. You know, and it's things that are still very important to them. Maybe, um, you know, their the religion or different things that come up, their upbringing. Um, you know, obviously stigma comes. You know, comes in in just the way that we've been raised for the you know the last eighty years or so, um, and even before then, but. Um, you know, it sucks that a lot of times it takes these kind of, um, you know, personal uh, experiences where, they, where they're personally affected or, or one of their loved ones personally affected for them to come around to it, right? And to say like, right, okay, shit, like, this is like, honestly, like, this is great. And I saw it work really well. Um, and they come around. But they were spending all those years before bashing it and saying no this isn't there or you know even just showing up and voting against it um so um why wh- wh- what why do you think that is what's going on there with people um you know and how can we kind of bring them around to to see like
1: just like your parents and uh, like some people that we talk to and that you get to talk to yeah well i mean i think it all goes down to education when you, we talk to people who are anti-marijuana almost always it has to do with some misconception or misunderstanding about Mm -hmm. the plant and how it operates and how it impacts our body and how it impacts society and and whatnot. And I think education is the number one piece. And then the real issue there is, okay, what does that mean to education? We can't just like, you know, have a, you know, webinars and classes that people who are not, you know, in favor of marijuana sign up for because by definition, they don't want to hear about it necessarily. They don't want to know why it's, why it's good. And so part of what I do in my work is to to help businesses get out there because I think a big part of education is these personal experiences. So family members use it and they use it and it helps them with, with any number of things in their life. But also they see, they go to the store and they see you know CBD products on on the shelves, or they they see a coworker who's using CBD products or hemp products, or if you're in a legal state, they see you know someone who is a uh, an upstanding citizen who raises kids and 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 has a good job and and does good things for the community who also goes to the dispensary every Friday night and yeah. picks up their you know their 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 favorite buds for the weekend or for the for the week in the evenings, and and that education piece of being exposed to um, the cannabis in a in a real legitimate way, I think, helps a a lot to destigmatize it. Uh, but uh, the, part of my mission is to is to put education out there through advocacy for my for clients, and also just doing the writing uh, that I do. Oh well, man, you
0: have know, you have so much stuff out there. You know, so much content that I see you putting out there all the time. Um, and you know, obviously, we want to talk about uh, you know the relevant topics as well with with the coronavirus and how that affects with the, with cannabis. But you know, before I move on. Um, you know, you're talking about there about the stigma and, you know, being a pot lawyer, right? I mean, is there like do okay. you see a lot of stigma with that still? I mean, because we, we see with these, you know, with these anti-cannabis people, they, you know, like you said, misconceptions, miseducation, you know, stoners, you just want to get high, this and that. Um, and it, they don't see somebody, like you said, being a parent, right, or having, you know, being an executive. Or being, you know, having a high-level position, and attributing that as well with cannabis use, right? I mean, people they can drink no problem. People can, you know, people using pills and prescription medicine, and that doesn't seem to be an issue. But for some reason, cannabis is a big issue. You know, you're lazy, you can't think, you know, you're you're slow. Whatever else that uh, they associate with it. Um. So, what's your experience with that as well? You know, being a
1: you know, I have to say I've had a real positive experience, and it really came to a head for me as I was transitioning my practice from being a corporate and bankruptcy lawyer into being a cannabis lawyer, there was was a time period where I was winding down that other piece and ramping up the cannabis piece. And this is about five years ago, maybe a little bit more. And I was a, you know, concerned about coming out of the closet, so to speak, to my colleagues. You know, that knew oh. me as as Rod. You know, he's a he's a, a respected lawyer in the community. He's I've worked with him on these cases. I know his family. I know he's, his children, and so on and so forth. And then me coming out and saying, "This is what I do." And so I was a little bit nervous. But I have to say, man, and almost without exception, I've had a positive, um, you know, response from from other lawyers and then from other from other parents of my kids friends and and it it is actually my my wife who is who runs my office she's the office manager is the president of the local high high school pto you know and Mm, so mm. i i i it's it's been almost nothing but but positive and i think that i like to be that that guy i make no bones at all about my cannabis use personally yeah you know it's i i use cannabis um probably every day, you know, and in some form or, or fashion. And I like for people to know that I, I, I like to drink too. I love a good beer, but I've found over the years that I, I, I really don't drink nearly as much as I used to. I don't, you know, I might have a beer with dinner or something like that. And it's because, you know, cannabis has has taken its place and it's, I don't wake up hungover. I don't have to lose my sense of judgment. It's a way to relax and to participate in the world that um, that, that is not impaired in the same way that alcohol is. And, and so I think, putting that out there saying I'm a, I'm a normal guy, I'm a lawyer with a family and my wife's president of PTO, I play in a band, I do all the things that, you know, that, that everyone else does. And I use cannabis, it's, I think, hopefully helps people say, Oh, well, then, you know, the stigma may not be exactly based on reality, yeah. <laughs> you know, and fortunately, in Asheville, you know, I, I, cannabis use is pretty widespread. And, and so it, it's, it's well accepted. But, you know, we, we have like minded friends that we hang out with who, who use cannabis themselves and they're phenomenal parents. They're upstanding citizens. They have great jobs and they're educated people. And I think we just need more and more of that. That just helps a lot.
0: And I, I always love to hear that because, you know, I, I, I can't be everywhere. I know growing up in L.A., I mean, it's there's really no stigma, <laughs> really associated with the same kind of way. Just growing with up anything, for, right? Forever, <laughs> right? Yeah, exactly. You know, <laughs> right. there's a place for you anywhere there, you know, whatever you're into. Right. Um, so I do, but I love to hear you know, how to get that pulse in different places of the country and to see how, how where we're holding, you know, in some places that still the stigma is just, uh, it's enormous still. So um, great to hear that. And you also mentioned, you know, we're talking about THC and, you know, marijuana and CBD. And we're talking about, you know, you with your chemo and, and the cancer and then recreationally. And there's all these kind and then, so there's there's all these arguments as well about, you know, medically okay fine maybe medically and then it's like okay recreationally and then like we talk about these other terms right like cannabis we got into that a little bit and how it's this umbrella that really means nothing federally like you're saying it's more about marijuana and hemp and even even term marijuana it's come to be kind of like is that the proper term but i mean that's kind of the term that we use from 80 years ago right so i mean what what effect does that have on us kind of that lexicon um Honest, legally, right? I mean, you said that it's it's federally that's it's marijuana, and then people are even saying, well, I mean, that was instituted marijuana. It's you know, kind of could be a racist, you know, even even term in and of itself, and and it was meant to to dictate, you know, and to and push that stigma, um, and, and you know, for the, the reasons that they instituted it. So, I mean. Uh, is there, what's the effect on that today
1: legally, I guess is my question. Yeah, sure. Is there, is there- well, I think you, you raise a lot of good issues, Maynard, and to address the one about the, the terminology. So I, I do struggle, or did, I, I can tell you why I don't struggle anymore, but with, with using the term can- marijuana and, and versus cannabis, and which is right. So absolutely, the term marijuana was made up, and it was made up almost certainly uh, in, in order to support a, a racist prohibitionist. Agenda back in the, you know, in the turn of the of the, of the century of, of last century. Uh-huh. And so there's a, there's a big piece of not wanting to use that term and to reclaim the term cannabis, which has been, you know, it's, it's the botanical term. It's the proper term in, in many respects. But as a lawyer, um, I have to advising clients, you know, words have meaning. Uh And a lot of times whether a client can or cannot do a certain thing or how I advise a client is very specific to how a statute or a regulation is written. And the legal term of art uh, at the federal level and at most states is marijuana. Uh-huh. And cannabis itself does it encompasses doesn't is, again, a botanical term that encompasses marijuana, but it also encompasses legal hemp. Yeah. Now, that can get muddy because, for example, if you look at the California statutes and the statutes of some states, they actually do use the term cannabis <laughs> at a state level. So, you know, it can get muddy real fast. But that's exactly the reason why I want to use the term when I'm talking about legal matters that the law uses. And yeah. so as of right now, and probably for the foreseeable future, there will be a proper usage for marijuana. Mm-hmm. Now, when I'm talking more casually, I, I, I tend to, to use the term cannabis because that's, again, the proper term. And that brings, you know, sort of raises some of these other issues about cannabis use itself. And, you know, most people... I haven't looked at recent statistics, but probably still use the flour, the cannabis flour. And mostly we're talking about marijuana flour, although hemp Uh flour has become quite a big thing recently. Uh, A lot of people are beginning to use different types of extracts. And then, you know, now as as someone who's been using cannabis for years and years and and studies it daily and, and, and writes and reads and speaks about it, I'm, I'm concerned with making sure that i get what feels like the right ratios of cannabinoids to uh-huh. me so you know if we think of cannabis as a, as a plant but it's a plant that it's a, that delivers or has in it you know hundreds of phytonutrients that we can use for our bodies certainly there's thc and cbd but there's there's cbg uh there's cbc there's terpene sesquiterpenes uh-huh. you know monoterpenes diet they're all of these these nutrients and so for me the the i'm beginning to study how those interrelate with my body and i almost think in terms unless i'm just purely using it you know because i like the the aroma and the and the smell of a certain strain i'm really thinking in terms of well, am i getting enough you know cbg you know or should i yeah. supplement my you know with a with a tincture over here to what i'm smoking over there and and i think the public at large is a, is not quite there yet, where we think in terms of the individual components. But I think the public is getting more and more educated, and CBD has been a big help with that. In terms of, hey, let's think about this in terms of the constituent components of the cannabis plant and how we can use them uh, in different ways to just benefit ourselves and increase our health. No, Don, I think we're, and, we're you know and and as I said earlier, I'm a lawyer, so I'm going to talk a lot, but it raised one other point. You know, I, I think, you know, your, your comments earlier were really important. I actually don't like the term recreational use. Now it's used widely. And so I use it, you yeah. know, adult use to me is, is the proper use, but yeah. I, Steve D'Angelo in in his, uh, one of his books or one of his writings uh, talked about how all cannabis use is medical. And I remember when I first read that, I thought, no, it's not, you know, Sometimes it's just great to get high and people like to get high. That's not medical. But then I read um, his essay about it. And and essentially, whether regardless of what you're using it for, cannabis will have medical benefits. And this is sort of a maybe a cheesy or a simple example, but you can eat broccoli because you think it's the best tasting thing in the world. And some people love broccoli. I mean, I like it, but I don't love it. But you know, some people love broccoli. And regardless of whether you're eating it because you like the taste of it or because you're trying to be healthy, the effect is the same on your body. Uh-huh. And uh-huh. so whether you're ingesting cannabis just because you like it um, or because you're trying to get a specific benefit, you're still getting those benefits and then finally, the, the act of getting high and changing your conscious state of mind and your perspective on the world has its own, um, I believe, healthy and, and medicinal benefits, certainly when used uh, with the right intent and under the right circumstances. Well, yeah, and uh, you know, I think that even for
0: me, um, you know, looking from a different point of view, my introduction to, you know, to cannabis was looking for, subconsciously, now looking back, I wanted to get off a of Ritalin and get off on, you know, for, for my ADHD, right? And uh, and that was, you know, help me with that, right? And then you look at like you, you know, like you said, you know, the cannabinoids, right? Our endo endocannabinoid system wants needs the cannabinoids regardless. It's always looking for that. So um, I think right. we look at it like recreational use, and I and I love that too because I think we're always evolving. Like you said, that's that's we shouldn't be using that term. It's a misnomer. We do need to evolve just like we're talking about cannabis and marijuana and, and where do we go and what? Okay. So we use it because it's part of the, the lexicon and, and the culture. And right. like you said, and legally you're required to use those in, in certain cases. But like you said, it's right. uh it's something that we're, uh, you know, we're, we don't realize really why we're using it or what we're looking for. Um, and what, what our body's craving for as, as well. Um, to your right. Point. So then, in, you know, right now we're, Transitioning a little bit, obviously, um, you know what we're talking about here. But right now, we're living in a very uncertain time. Um, You know, like I said, being in the cannabis industry, as you know, and you talk to people all across the country and across the world, and how crazy it is from one state to the next state, and maybe from one county to the next county, and Mm -hmm. and the differences that are going on there. And now you you compound that with what we're dealing here now with COVID nineteen with the coronavirus. And how people are being affected with that, right? So you you're helping advise businesses here um, across across the country, and we're seeing that uh, obviously all businesses are being affected right now, um, and it's putting a big strain on the economy, obviously, and big strain on people, on human beings, right? People are sick, and people are losing their jobs, and God forbid, people are dying. Um, And then you compound that, like I said, with with business people's businesses being affected personally um and some saying you know you got to close and then they're saying no you're an essential business right? right um where do they get that from um can you touch on that where, what makes one an essential business another not an essential business because also then they come out and they say well, the stimulus package well you're not part of the stimulus package because um because it's not federally legal right so um
1: right. Well, you know, the, the COVID-19 piece is unprecedented, certainly for, for our lifetimes. I'm in my yeah. 40s, and this is unlike anything we've seen. And it is compounding a, a shakeout that was happening in the cannabis industry. Again, I mean both the marijuana, THC, and you know, CBD sectors. Uh, there was a – starting probably somewhere in the third quarter of 2019, cannabis industry started to see a downturn. We saw stocks in, in Canada going down. We saw CBD sales started to wane. Uh, and, and, and that's in in no way an indication that people's interest in cannabis is, is going away. In fact, interest is absolutely increasing. And I think the the cannabis industry at large, we're going to see massive growth over the next five to 10 years. But at this moment in time, we are in a, in a downturn and then Mm -hmm. that clients are struggling with that and, and cannabis industries or businesses struggle with that. And then on top of that, we have COVID-19, which is wrecking the economy on almost all sectors and that i think that's that's a big struggle and a lot of what we're talking to clients about is are are things like you know how to manage uh shortfalls in in cash and revenue during this downturn how do we you know identify the you know where the market's likely to be in 6 or 12 months after the, the covid and the cannabis shakeout sort of begin to wrap up and how can clients position themselves how do we deal with with debt and creditor debtor issues and bankruptcies and insolvencies so the conversation has changed and frankly i think despite the stress these are good conversations to have it means uh-huh. the industry is maturing and any mature industry has its has its cycles and its you know it's 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 moments where there's a you know a focus on this aspect of this, of, of the uh, or in this sector or this category of goods but also with dealing with with shakeouts and and cash flow shortages so anyway all that is to say this is a very difficult time, but I think it's a good uh-huh. time for learning. And I think we're gonna see a different industry when we come out of it. Now, when you're talking about essential businesses, so as someone who believes that cannabis is in fact medicine and, and we need it for our, our health, obviously I, I would say that, that cannabis mm-hmm. businesses are essential in the in uh-huh. very same way that pharmacies and grocery stores are. And I'm really glad to see certain states come out and, and, and announce that they are. When we talk about the, the federal government, Unfortunately, this is one of those byproducts of the fact that marijuana is federally illegal. It's uh-huh. still a con- schedule one controlled substance. It's the most restrictive, according to the federal government under the, under the um, you know, under our current laws, uh, marijuana has no medicinal benefits, which is crazy because the U.S. government also holds a patent for cannabis compounds and their medicinal benefits. So, oh, we, yeah, you know, we this, there's it. a huge contradiction, right? <laughs> but you know the the federal government cannot uh, on on the one hand say you know cannabis has or mar- marijuana has no medical benefits and it's federally illegal and then in a stimulus package say these are essential businesses that uh, that's a contradiction that it that it can't tolerate under our current system and that's just one more reason why marijuana needs to be removed from the controlled substances Act altogether and yeah. and be legalized. Now that same thing doesn't necessarily apply to hemp and CBD businesses. Yeah, that was my and next question. I have question. not yet delved into the yeah the stimulus package. I think it was passed in the in the wee morning hours, just literally within in less than twelve hours ago. So I haven't had a chance to look at it. And I would be interested to see if and to the extent that hemp and CBD businesses are deemed to be essential because they are legal. You know, hemp uh-huh. is legal. CBD is a—that's a whole other topic. But as a food ingredient or dietary supplement, the FDA says it's not lawful. But the the existence of of CBD on the market is is not unlawful. And you know, certainly, I I believe that it's um, essential, and I I would hope that the fed, federal and state governments would support that. Well, yeah, I mean that's that's
0: the whole. Like you said, this is fresh. Fresh off the, off the process, I guess, as they say, and, um, you know, it's right. uh, more to be revealed and things are always changing as, as they go along as well, you know, because like you said, marijuana not being federally legal, okay, cool. So hemp is, so they should be covered under it, but uh, but we never know because as we know, it's, uh, so. Um,
1: and what defines a hemp business, you know, is, yeah. a, is a hemp business a, a retail store that just happens to sell a few lines of you know, of, of smokable hemp products or CBD products, or is it is a hemp business, someone that manufactures certain um, products? And then again, you know, if you're manufacturing food products, the FDA, which is a federal agency, says that the Food, Drug, and Cosmetic Act says you can't do that. And so, you know, even even putting a fence around defining what constitutes a hemp or CBD business is its own legal issue. And it, you know, it, it certainly begs us to change the laws <laughs> you know Congress yeah, needs to be said, so we don't crazy. need to be having this discussion you know cannabis whether it's hemp or marijuana should be should be legal and people should have access to it and they should have access to it as essential medicine when, when they do in fact need it as essential medicine yeah
0: and then you know it's crazy making I and mean, it could be even be flipped for the for the hemp right where it's not essential business because okay the cannabis dispensary we know that you need to have a medical you know card to go in there and get it and, right. uh, you know so you know people are using it for medicine. Whereas maybe it doesn't, it doesn't fall into that same thing yet for CBD. Um, right. You know, so, so, okay, cool. So it's not essential. You got to close, but here's you're part of the stimulus bill. And it just kind of like, <laughs> <you know? laughs> right. here's some money to keep you afloat yeah. for a little bit, but uh, you know, you can't stay open, um, you know, or you, have, right. you only have can do deliveries or curbside pickup or whatever else is going on. So um, it's, it's absolutely crazy. And I agree. We have a lot more, um, obviously, you know, better than me, but we have so much uh, more to do. Now I guess what that brings me to my next point is what do we do here? Is is this something like you said that the industry is gonna be better off um mm-hmm. when we get out of this? Right. And you know, I'm sure there's people that listen to this, they're screaming at their uh, you know, screaming in their car or whatever else because they're going through stuff right now where there are people are scared and worried if they're gonna be able to even be able to make it through it. Right. And in, right. in different areas. Um, but is this something that you see that it just creates So much confusion, like you said, that it has to be addressed, or is it just going to be, you know, the same in the queue? We'll get to it when we get to it, and not really important. Um, I think you have a better pulse on it than I do, obviously. Um, How, you know, how does the federal government look at it? Is it something that's important for them to address? I know that they they are looking at stuff, but um, you know, to to talk about Schedule One, and we talk about terms, and we talk about
1: where are we holding with it, legal, everything like that? Yeah, well, you know, it's, it's a mixed bag, as most things are. I think, on the one hand, the the COVID-19 pandemic is is bad for the cannabis industry, and I mean that hemp and, and marijuana, because it does push, you know, things back. So everything is now focused, as it should be, you know, in, in, in most respects, on dealing with the crisis uh-huh. that, that we're experiencing right now. And but to the extent that there is energy and time spent in Congress and and state legislatures on pushing through these stimulus bills and, and modifying laws, laws that were in the pipeline and lobbying efforts that were in the pipeline to, to change things for the better when it comes to cannabis, just to use a broad term, whether it be to to remove marijuana from the federal controlled substances act on, you know, in, in a big way, or, you know, in my home state of North Carolina, there's a, um, there, there's a really good farm bill that that was, you know, that should go through. There's some provisions I can talk about that we don't like, but by and large, it's a good farm bill. Well, all that's probably going to get pushed back. So, to so the extent that there are progressive measures that we were hoping to get past, uh, those are all being pushed back. On the other hand, I think there's some positives, and one of the positives are that there are are, are certain bills or, or 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 movements and lobbying efforts to push back on the the efforts that the the positive things that have happened and mm-hmm. so i just mentioned the north carolina bill we have a farm bill that is in many respects a really good one but it also does some some pretty awful things for example it it, it makes uh, smokable hemp illegal and there's all sorts of legal issues as oh, to whether yeah. they can do that and up with the parameters um but if they don't get to that farm bill this year because they were focused on other things well that's just one more year where the we where smokeable hemp remains legal in north carolina and so I think there's some things like that where some, some things that were negative are not going to get reached. And, and also there's there's a unique thing that's happening in the world. And I think that we're seeing where people um, have bigger issues than whether or not their neighbors should be able to smoke pot, <laughs> you know. And, yeah. and also we're seeing yeah. people come together. We're seeing community groups say, you know, we, we can work together as a community and and we are – you know, as people, we are interrelated, regardless of whether you're a Republican or a Democrat or a Libertarian or a, or a socialist, you know, there are situations in which people work together, and that will help when this is all said and done to push through things that, that really most people believe in. And I think that the, all the polls show that most people believe that cannabis should be legal for most people under, you know, whether it be medically or adult use recreationally. And so I think we're going to, you know, one of the outcomes of all this is we are going to see a, a more rapid move towards rise and marijuana. I yeah, know, that, that's
0: great to hear. Um, and it's so interesting to hear about the smokable hemp. You know, it's, uh, it's, it's so great. I think, I don't know, just off the cusp, it seems like uh, law enforcement has a problem differentiating between smokable hemp and marijuana. And they try and bypass that by saying, hey, we shouldn't uh, have the smokable hemp because we can't really tell the difference between them. Um, and that I think right. is is kind of the underlying issues, but we see that you know from state to state, uh, what you can have, uh, in, you know we have clients that they have uh, you know e commerce stores and Square they let them uh, you know you can sell it out of your store the you can have the flour out of your store right, but you can't sell it uh, on your on your e commerce you can't sell it in the uh, on right. the you know on the internet because we know we're going to ship it to and you maybe now you're shipping over the state lines where it's not going to be legal right you know if you have the tinctures you're sending it fine no problem but th- those things can be problematic so it's so crazy um you know it's uh, definitely don't envy you. Uh, you you know you're on the ball so you know what's going on but it's it's so so hard to navigate it's hard enough for
1: us to navigate let alone you know how to navigate through, through all these different things um yeah. well it's it's definitely intellectually stimulating for a lawyer and there's a lot of a lot of work to be done and so, you know, to the smokable hemp issue, we could literally have a, a two-hour long, you know, podcast just on all the legal issues you know, arising out of that. Uh, but with respect to law enforcement, you're absolutely right, just to to address that. Law enforcement is concerned that they, they can't identify the difference between legal hemp and, and illegal marijuana. And in fact, they can't, because the oh. only difference is, are the concentrations of Delta 9 THC, which oh. THC is a non-odorous compound. It's... it's essentially microscopic the only way to tell is by doing a lab test and there are all sorts of issues involving lab testing but certainly yeah. they're, they're standard pieces for establishing probable cause you know having a drug dog um hit on it drug uh-huh. dogs can't hit on it because drug dogs actually hit on terpenes they can't hit on um thc Incredible. to begin with and even if Incredible. they could they can't determine with their nose whether it's more or less than 0.3 percent so that's out the door the, the the mere appearance of, of cannabis is no longer probable cause because that that cannabis could be legal hemp or it could be illegal marijuana and so that's no longer probable cause so law enforcement on the one hand you know their concerns are legitimate they absolutely cannot tell the difference right. uh, but what we're seeing is that what law enforcement by and large wants is probable cause and 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 that is just um not to get into the, the the specific legal pieces, but essentially that probable cause allows a, a law enforcement officer to search a car or a house or a person uh, without a search warrant. And hitting on marijuana was a, it was a sort of an, get out of jail free card, so to speak, for law enforcement to say, oh, I smelled marijuana, so now I have probable cause to go and search everything. They may not have cared about the marijuana, but they're looking for other things. Uh And so probable cause was easy to establish. Well, you remove marijuana or cannabis from the equation as as being something that establishes probable cause, and suddenly it becomes a lot more difficult in a lot more circumstances to establish probable cause. And so law enforcement is using a tool that they've relied on um, sometimes for good, and sometimes, frankly, to violate people's civil rights. And more often than not, the, the you know the cannabis as probable cause has been used to violate people's civil rights. And so I don't have a whole lot of, um, I'm not shedding a lot of tears um, for law enforcement lo- losing this particular tool. But, yeah. but that's the battle that's out there right now, for sure. There, it, It's all about probable cause. And I think that the, the cannabis community needs to understand what this is, and to make sure that um, that they push back because um, we we don't want to lose the ground that we've established um, so far to, you know, some bizarro rules regarding probable cause.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's,
1: uh, it's so nuanced, but I, I love that. And, and
0: I agree, you know, no, 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 too no, i I I love hearing that. Honestly, you know, they, they get that away because it's been abuse of power for a long time. You know, we've seen it, it has. you know, and I've, uh, you know, have friends who are part of law enforcement. I have, you know clients who used to be in law enforcement and now in the, in the cannabis industry, and you know we see things like the blacklist where you know you see uh, you know on camera recorded of uh, you know planning cannabis in someone's car and saying, "Hey what's this and you know and it's all we in this uh, you know it's really tough position to be, but I love to hear that too that that's a tool that's being taken away um,
1: and, yeah but, for sure and and I you know to, to be very clear I absolutely respect law enforcement yeah, Law enforcement as has a good place. And I know, you know, countless, you know, really good law enforcement officers who are doing the right thing and following the law. Um, but unfortunately, when you look at the history and, and look at the statistics, um, you know, there have been massive amounts of injustice uh, that have been um, caused by law enforcement improperly using cannabis as a tool to, Um, to violate people's civil rights and the numbers are there, you know, you know, um, just, you know, people of of various um, ethnicities use cannabis at similar rates, but yet you see uh, African-Americans are incarcerated at a much higher rate than say, you know, than, 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 um, than, than other races. And so that's at the beginning of our conversation before we, we, um, you know, we, we started recording. You you mentioned the last prisoner project and the fact that under the COVID-19 guidelines certain people are are now getting out of out of jail under various circumstances to try to prevent the spread of the virus uh, you see cannabis in, in certain states as being you know deemed essential and by the same yeah. token you have people who are in jail for you know for using or selling um, cannabis that's now deemed to be essential medicine people making money people out, but, but we can't let these people out necessarily it's 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 ab- everyone who has ever gone to uh, is in prison right now for, for cannabis related cons needs to to get out of jail and have yeah. their um their their criminal record ex- expunged it's, it's just absolutely absurd people are making careers and millions of dollars out of something that someone else is sitting in jail for and so uh, again and not to get off on a on a, <laughs> you know, on a- no this is i was going to bring so this like, up i'm so glad
0: you brought this up because this is literally my equity. next question This is going to be the next social
1: equity is, is the thing that the cannabis industry needs to focus on. I mean, it's at the very top of the top of the list is getting this worked out. People should not be in jail for cannabis crimes at all. And hopefully the the COVID-19 will change some dynamics in in such a way and change the landscape that 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 will be easier to do. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's
0: so crazy what COVID-19 is doing across the world, what it's doing for the earth. You know, you look at it spiritually, you can, you can see what it's doing for the economy, which, at right now, it doesn't look very good, but but the what's going to come out of it afterwards, right? And, and decisions we're having to make. As long as we're not giving up our freedoms, right? Which I think uh, in certain places are, you know, enacting as well. Um, you know, uh, we can invade privacy a little bit more in order to track uh, the uh, the spread of the virus, different stuff like this that's being spread quietly. You know, they're passing that stuff quietly as well. Um, you know, going on, but at the same time, there are mass uh, great ramifications, um, things that are gonna, after we pass through this to see, hopefully we will get better legislation, better regulations, um, and see that it's it's absolutely ridiculous, right? Having this term, that thing, and and the same thing, releasing all prisoners um, who are incarcerated for for nonviolent and, you know, cannabis crimes, and uh, and that's that's the next thing. Now, with social equity, you're talking about social equity. One of the things that, that it's also a very controversial topic, because obviously on the paper, it, it seems like it's, um, you know, obviously it's a, a no-brainer. We need to have it, right? But then you see in practice how many predatory loans are coming out of it, how many people are coming, you know, being completely taken advantage of. Um, is this something that you're also advising uh, people on, clients on, how to proceed with uh, social equity and, and with maybe um, opportunities, uh, investment opportunities that have that come out of it as well? what's your experience
1: with yeah, that? Yeah. And it, it's, 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 it's very ad hoc at this stage uh, with the social equity movement. I think the primary piece is, you know, getting people's criminal records expunged, mm. because they're, they're white clean, so they can, they can vote or in certain places where you're not Probably. allowed to vote if you have a, a felony record Probably. so that, you know, for people who, you know, are in favor of gun rights, they can, they can register a gun or people, you know, employment. Um, but also there's, there's pieces about, you know, for states, whether it be marijuana or hemp licensing, if there are, are restrictions on the number of people that can get licenses, are we um, are we using factors to make sure that minority-owned businesses are getting a fair shake? I think that's a big piece of this. You know, what about our healthcare system, which, you know, are, are, are people of color who are going to, um, and they need their a prescription for medical marijuana, are they facing, um, you know, prejudice uh, about, um, you know, and in a, in a di- more difficult time getting the, the, you know, the registrations that they need. There's, there's all sorts of, of, of approaches. So f- with my clients, you know, certainly I want them to take advantage of the programs and opportunities that are there. Uh, certainly encourage my clients to, uh, to be diverse in their hiring and in the other businesses they they work with, and to scrutinize whether other businesses are also, you know, doing the right thing in terms of social equity, or are they further propagating you know a a mostly white male you know oriented sector and and just continuing that that framework which we don't want we want this this industry is needs to be fully inclusive and there are a lot of opportunities uh, for for all people and and i want to make sure as, as part of my advocacy and part of my representation that that we we help to foster an environment where men women and people of all races and ethnicities are are involved in a collaborative and and profitable um, enterprise, you oh, know, yeah. for lack you know, to, to speak broadly, you know. Um, so yeah, it, to me, this is one of the most important things we can we can discuss.
0: No, uh, yeah, it's you know, like you said, it goes back to the war on drugs, goes back to prohibition in the first place, and now you know people profiting on it and being called essential business, and people are incarcerated for it. It's it's absolutely ridiculous. So.
1: Um, I mean, can you imagine right now sitting in jail and uh, for, because you're, you know, you're in traffic, some, um, you know, some, some, some weed back in the day. And then, you know, right. It's a an essential business and and business owners are, are staying open. And you see, you know, these multimillionaires who have, you know, brought companies and do IPOs and they cash out. I mean, it's, it's just crazy. You'd probably want to just, I don't even know what. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I they, they knew it, they knew it was bullshit
0: back then. They knew it was bullshit back then. Right. You know, they knew at that time. They're like, this is absolutely bullshit. And now the fact that it's. You know like we're talking about people are profiting from it it's an essential business it's just a slap in the face
1: you know it's been spent it is a slap face. in the face and i think you know i struggled as a lawyer so you know at, at a time that someone was, was incarcerated and taking us out all the social justice pieces that we just talked about the fact that, that black men are much more likely to be um arrested for marijuana crimes than, than, a, than a white man despite um equal levels of usage taking all that aside i you mean know, you can say well as a lawyer, think well. Someone who was, who was you know engaged in the marijuana trade when it was when it was illegal knew that they were risking incarceration. Okay, so fine. So they they knowingly broke the law, but as a society, the response to that is that we have now realized that, that cannabis is not only. Um, not harmful in the ways that it was, you know, that we were told it was, but that is actually very beneficial and it can be an, an economic driver, a driver for health and well-being and so on and so forth, then as a society, it's, it's incumbent upon us to go back and, and fix those ills that we created by incarcerating people who shouldn't have never been incarcerated in the first place, laws that have, should have never been enacted in the first place, you know?
0: No, and that's, I mean, yeah, it's think that's a great point. Is this unprecedented? Is there any other examples of where we said, okay, shit, we fucked up. Let's let them out. Um, or would this kind of be the first time that happened? Uh, in, in that you
1: know, there, there may be some other, you know, limited things in history that I'm unaware of. But I think the, the way that we've treated cannabis as a society is is very unprecedented because you can oh. you can look back and, and look at prohibition for alcohol and there's there are a lot of similarities in a lot of ways and and I don't know actually off the top of my head whether there were people that were oh, locked yeah. in jail who were uh-huh. in, in for alcohol crimes once it became uh, legalized I, I honestly don't know the answer to that question uh-huh. but I think the alcohol issue has a has a has, is a lot different from cannabis because alcohol, you know, again, I say I like drinking a beer. I like a good whiskey. It's a poison,
0: <laughs> you know,
1: and, and by and large, it has no, There's medical, no medical benefits. benefits there. there. You know, cannabis is something that, that, that we need it's akin to vitamins if our bodies are not producing you know the the, the right endocannabinoids then we need to supplement in a lot of situations uh-huh. just as, as I, you know i take a vitamin d supplement because I, my body doesn't produce enough vitamin d and and that i need that in it and it helps me and, and cannabis is very similar in that way whereas alcohol is not so to answer your question i think that when it comes to cannabis and the way that we handle it as a society it's totally unprecedented
0: Wow, yeah, and yeah that's it's a good comparison, I guess, with alcohol, but like you said it's uh, there's no medical um, benefits there i mean we we talked about so many different things, um, and I really appreciate this you know, and uh, so much insight, and I guess it's kind of hard to pinpoint one thing, but I'm going to ask anyways, what do you think is like the <laughs> most important, yeah, what is the biggest
1: challenge facing the cannabis industry today? right, like, wow. The biggest. <laughs> well, you know, I think, um, and we've already discussed it, so I won't go into a great detail. I really truly think that the social equity piece has to be addressed uh-huh. uh, for the cannabis industry to be um, to be strong and, and to gain the support and the, and the infrastructure it needs. So absolutely, social equity has to be done. Uh, you know, if I could say you know, something else, I, I just think that the, the other big issue is is legalizing marijuana on uh, the level of the U.S., but also you know, across the world. A lot of the countries that are, that still have marijuana laws on the books and most do where it's illegal in some form or fashion are feel constrained by treaties that, that they've entered into with other countries. And they say, well, you know, even though our population wants it, we might be, you know, violating a treaty and how does that affect? So all of this infrastructure for prohibition needs to come down and it needs to be addressed at the the level of the treaty, at the level of federal, and, you know national governments and the level of state and local governments as well and that's that's going to be a long slog there's no getting around the fact that that's going to take some time and effort uh, but that needs to be the continual focus is to peel back and in, replace those laws with laws that promote you know a, a, a robust industry with safe products you know and and to that point and then I, <laughs> I won't talk too long but to that point I think a lot of people say well just remove marijuana from schedule one and just legalize it well that sounds great but you know, we we want people to be able to, to rely on having safe products. We want people to be able to go to the store and buy a product and, and pay a, a good price, you know, a reasonable price for it, have it be taxed appropriately and those taxes be used for good, and for mm-hmm. people to know that if, you know, that, that they can rely on these products as not having mycotoxins or pesticides or solvents and so on and so forth. So we need a real, uh, to replace the infrastructure with a positive. Uh, legal and, and regulatory framework. Oh,
0: yeah. I mean, it's still it's still the wild Walla West in a lot of regards. I mean, whether you talk about the marijuana side or you talk about the CBD side, you know, on the marijuana side, you see how the black market is really thriving, right, because of right. the the taxes that are imposed and, you know, sure, why, why should I be compliant when I can just keep doing the way way I've been doing it for the last 20, 30 years or, you know, for different things. And then you see on the CBD side, and it happens also on the THC side, you know, the marijuana side. And you see it a lot in, Canada as well but also in America uh, specifically with the CBD side with the lack of regulations how the absolute bullshit products are out there um, and how people are able to get away with it and, and mm-hmm. what a, what a it leaves a horrible mark on the industry as a whole right as we're trying to bring in consumers and as we're trying to educate people um, it's 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 crazy um, it yeah. really is crazy um, so there's there's a lot of
1: work to be done that's for sure but it's a lot of work. work and its uh,
0: yeah. A lot of work, a lot of work, and I mean, I can uh, we can keep going forever. I guess before we wind down, you know, you talked about legalizing around uh, the world, and you, you know, you have clients around the world. Um, can you give me, you know, and you have a good uh, pulse on what's going on in the states um, in term in those terms, and you talk about the treaties and people are kind of um, where as as a result of that, do you see? the U.S. being like the first domino that falls and then the rest of the world kind of falls in line. I mean, I know that we're kind of, you know, enterocentric centric centric, so we want to think like we control the rest (laughs) of the world and whatever we do, then the the rest of the world is going to jump right as a result. But is that kind of the case? You know, do you kind of see that or is it just kind of something that's going to happen little by little or is it something that that people are already kind of, it's already in motion and it's just
1: something that's that's moving in, in different areas already? across the the world. Yeah, I I think that there is a lot of good momentum. Things are in motion, and I don't want to, certainly that's no reason to be complacent. If anything, it's the reason to keep moving forward. Uh, No gains are guaranteed. But, you know, to your question about whether the United States flipping and becoming legal is going to change things, I think obviously it will. The United States um, remains a a leader in terms of of cultural and economic drivers, and I think that the United States legalizing marijuana would, would go a long way towards changing things internationally. But the United States may or may not do that. And so there are other opportunities for uh, the European Union or individual countries within the European Union. We're seeing a lot of positive developments in, in countries in South America. They mm-hmm. don't have yeah. the, the same cultural or economic punch as, say, the U.S. or certain EU countries, but, they're, but, they, but they are changing things and changing the world sector. Uh, Southeast Asia has been fairly slow. In, in, in making reforms, but that there's a, a little bit of a thawing there, and so you can imagine with the population and, and the, um, the economic force that Southeast Asia has, if it went first, so to speak, I think that could change a lot too. So it's gonna be really interesting to see you know, how the dismantling of the prohibition infrastructure takes place, and I think that the United States can and should be a major part of that. Uh, but if it is or not, remains to be seen, that's for sure. Um. You know, it's really fascinating and really encouraging to see
0: what's going on in South America because they deal with a different kind of stigma than we deal with, right? They, right. Don't, they don't deal with the stigma of, you know, weed is bad, it's going to make you stupid or, right. you know, the, the immigrants are going to come and take your women. They deal with cartels killing people and families and right. running countries and, you know,
1: corruption and all kinds of other things that go on with it. It's, uh, yes. you know, see that they are no, you're right. They are, and every every you know every culture, every every country even has its has its own you know pieces of this that may differ from other countries or other cultures. So it's it's um, there there are a lot of moving parts and a lot of different components. But but South the South American countries are making a lot of good advancements, and I'm 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 certainly hopeful that, um, that that's going to to just be one more sort of wedge that continues to push in and open the uh, and widen the the, the trail. <laughs> to mix metaphors here you know um to to, to hack a, you know to help, help maybe a better way to say is to just hack away at that trail and make it wider and, and mm-hmm. um, so that more and more people can walk down it amazing amazing
0: i appreciate what you're doing and um you know i guess uh, i ask all my you say you listen to the other episodes so i ask all my uh, my guests and they come on how do you define success whether professionally personally existentially what does success look like for you <laughs>
1: Yeah, well, thanks. Success to me means being able to uh, do for uh, for your living what what you're passionate about, oh. and so I, I can certainly, you know, I'm, you know, our, our, you know, whether whether the law firm makes you know X amount or Y amount of dollars, certainly that that impacts the um, things you know, in a lot of ways. But but being able to do what I love, I think I feel very successful and fortunate.
0: For sure, oh, I, I love this industry. I love this community that we have. Um, I love what, what I do and I'm passionate about it and I'm glad to hear that as well because it's, it's so important and I'm just so grateful living this time you know it's obviously you know we talk about the uh, the world being in disarray right now with COVID-19 but you know it's uh, wow what a time to be alive and what a time to be alive in right. terms of our industry as well you know talk about unprecedented everything that's going on right now is completely unprecedented and uh, and it's so amazing um, to, to to be able to work in this sector where we wouldn't been able to, you know, and people were, you know, lawyers been doing this for, for, you know, 30, 40 years, but they were on there just fighting, you know, they weren't advising, uh, you know, clients on how to stay compliant and everything like that, or how to keep, you know, start
1: their businesses they're, they're uh, doing a whole other thing. So it's, uh, yeah. it's really amazing well we certainly have to tip our hats to the to the lawyers who who fall on the front lines when you know in the criminal defense way and still do yeah. and the and the and the pioneers who, who are out there and they they, they risk a lot to, to bring us to where we are today and, and we're at the beginning of the beginning in a lot of ways particularly with respect to to a, a cannabis economy uh, but we're not at the beginning in terms of this fight which has been ongoing for decades and i certainly tip my hat and and have a a lot of um and just respect for the people that have been doing it for all, all those decades. There's no doubt, you know, talking about hacking the, uh, the, paving
0: the road for us. They've definitely paved the road yeah. and, uh, you know, knocked on those trees and hacked the way for us. So uh, appreciate it. And you're doing it for, for the next generation as well. You know, it's, you as well. Uh, we're going mean, to that, talk that's, about that's
1: this. Our port- yeah. Yeah. This is a historical time of its own. And so certainly there are all sorts of trails to be, uh, be paved and all sorts of decisions and, and, and things that, that need to happen. So this is a very exciting time without a doubt. Amazing, amazing.
0: Um, well Rod, uh, as we close, how can listeners find out more about you, you know, connect with you and uh you know find out about your services and everything
1: you're doing? Sure, I appreciate that. So uh, we I am a lawyer, i have a law firm, uh Kite Law. Uh, you can find me on the web uh, canabusiness.law also, I would encourage people to read and, and even sign up for my um, blog. I, we write usually you know, one to three articles per week on, a, on an issue that we think is, is important for the cannabis industry, and we try to take and, and analyze that issue and provide some real um, in-depth and, and information for, for people that they can use, and hopefully that's novel. And that's uh, kiteoncannabis.com, K-I-G-H-T-O-N, cannabis.com. Uh, you can also find it through my law firm's website. And so, and you can email me, rod at canabusiness.law. So, feel free to reach out. I'm happy to, to chat with you. I
0: right, agree. And I mean, I love that URL, canabusiness.law. That's good stuff. And your blog is, is tremendous. You, you're out there a lot, you know, doing podcasts and got a lot of content, like I said, and coming out with with new stuff all the time. And as we mentioned, you really have your pulse on what's going on and such relevant information. So, I hope everybody out there. Um, checks it out. We'll have a link here in the descriptions and everything. And um, Rod, I really appreciate you coming on today. Um, thanks for having me Maynard. Uh, it's been an amazing, amazing uh, chat discussion, dank discussion. And uh, thanks everybody for listening as well. But uh, you know, Rod, uh, good luck in these times and good luck the rest of 2020 and beyond.
1: Thank you. Right back at you. All right.
0: We at Calican are passionate about cannabis marketing branding, and web design. If you're a cannabis entrepreneur and you know you need an uptake in business or an upgrade in the way your customers perceive you, come check us out at calican.com and schedule a time to speak with us. Plans start at $248. Thanks for listening in to Dank Discussions, and we are so grateful for each and every one of you. We want to continue making dank content you want, so give us some feedback about the topics you want covered. Feel free to reach out to us at grow at calacan.com. That's C-A-L-A-C-A-N-N.com, and follow us on Instagram for our latest updates.